0: Welcome to Jews Taekwondo Podcast. Good morning. Today we have Mr. Mason McCauley. He's a third degree black belt and he's up at Walla Walla, Washington. How are you doing today, Mr. McCauley?
1: I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it and really looking forward to it.
0: You know, I think I um, met you back in 1996 at the Pan America game. Do you remember that?
1: I do. That is correct. Yeah, over in uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada.
0: Right. How old were you then?
1: Oh, I was, let's see, I was nine years old, just turned.
0: Just nine years old. First degree black belt.
1: (laughs) Yes, sir. It was a lot of training prior, but uh, yeah, definitely. I was nine years old.
0: (laughs) And I had a student. He was nine years old as well, his his name was Stephen Hong, and he competed against you. <laughs> you beat him.
1: I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, thought, it was. Uh, I thought Stephen my guy was, was good. Uh, <laughs> Stephen was a uh, he was a great competitor and a great pe- practitioner. I actually remember him off the top of my head. Three uh, tournaments: one Canada, the other down in uh, Utah and uh, Santa Cruz, and he was always. Uh, always like my main competition. So he he was a very good practitioner.
0: Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but you're still doing taekwondo. That's yes, excellent. sir. That's great. Take us back a little bit and tell us a little bit about your um taekwondo history.
1: So my taekwondo history is a little bit uh, different than you know the the normal. I started out in uh, butokukan karate and just did that for. Uh One year, and my instructor uh moved uh up to Seattle and so uh we were looking for a place uh, for me to continue training and uh, he recommended uh, a gentleman that was teaching i t f taekwondo and so we went and checked them out and it was a good fit and I started from there and that led me to um uh another instructor uh Barb Hayn who, um, oh, she took over the school for a little bit, and then she ended up moving as well. And it came to the point where I was, oh, I was... Cl- close to a black belt, or I think I had just tested for my black belt. And my parents were wondering, or no, excuse me, this was about two years after I tested for my black belt. But uh, my parents, uh, you know, they asked me, well, Mason, you know, there's not another school to train around. Do you want to keep going? Or, you know, would you like to pursue something else? And I was definitely devoted and fully invested in Taekwondo, and I wanted to keep going. And so We took over the school. Um, It wasn't, you know, anything big or extravagant. Probably had about, I think, 15, 20 students at the age of 12 years old. And it was primarily just a place for us all to come together, to practice, and to train Taekwondo. Um, And that allowed me to continue training on my own to further uh, my competition career. And so I did that until I was... uh, Well, 15 years old. So about three or four years. And I, you know, my parents told me, all right, it's time for you to get an, um, um, get a job. And so I was like, well, what if I teach Taekwondo? So we talked a lot about that and, uh, developed a business plan and a model, and we uh, opened up a school here in Walla Walla. and from then I uh, taught uh, multiple classes um, about full- time, went to school and uh, that allowed me to continue my training and to you know travel and compete in uh, national and world championships.
0: That's really cool. And how old were you when you had started this school?
1: I was oh 15 years old when we started remodeling. 16 years old when we opened and started taking um, students.
0: So you were the head instructor at 16 years old.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was, but it wasn't. uh, The 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 classes weren't uh, a typical. Uh, teenager-style run class, I'd like to put it. Uh, we worked our butts off. We worked real hard, and it was uh, it was no joke.
0: <laughs> oh, no I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> you went on to uh, become a world champion. At um, I think you went to a couple world champions. One was in Korea, right?
1: Yes, sir. I went uh, 2002 in Puerto Rico. I got my butt kicked, and I thought that it was going to be like another kind of national championships just with worldly competitors, but I was very mistaken and it was, the level of competition was significantly higher than I had anticipated. So I went back home and just devoted just hours and hours and hours of training and uh, that led me to uh, win in South Korea in 2004 and England in 2007.
0: Cool. So you didn't place in uh, Puerto Rico?
1: No, sir, I did not. Neither uh, patterns nor sparring.
0: I know you've been very successful in in competition, and um, you just felt it was a just a different level.
1: That, uh, absolutely. So I had done hours, as well as um, uh, studying videotape of past world championships, and you know ninety seven in Russia, uh, ninety nine in Argentina, North Korea, and. And uh, some of the Japan ITF tapes and just a whole bunch, anything I can get my hands on, I was always studying and, you know, watching the countries that were winning and, you know, writing things down. Why were they winning? And, you know, certain techniques and styles and just everything. And so then I would take that and I would um, implement that into my workouts and uh, sparring and patterns and such at school. And so watching it on video, you know, I felt like I had an idea of what competition will be like, but not until I had, you know, like physical experience and I was actually in there seeing it and competing did I then realize, that oh, you know, the level of competition is a lot higher than I, you know, had anticipated.
0: Yeah, it's amazing uh, what you've done because you were kind of on your own up in Walla Walla. You didn't have an instructor that no, could sir. kind of guide you along for that, right?
1: No, sir. No, I. Uh, my instructor was, you know, yourself. And when I would come down, you know, or travel around the U.S., you know, for trainings and get together and seminars and such as that. But besides that, it was just uh nears. I had in my school and uh, the videotape uh, was uh, uh, really beneficial. I would always set up the tripod and uh, the camcorder and I would videotape my patterns and I would go through them with the fine tooth comb. Uh, I would also videotape sparring and just kind of, you know, look at my techniques, look at how I move compared to the other countries that were winning and how could I best emulate them, but also create my own style that's unique myself
0: wow that's really interesting so in a way you are competing against other people on a videotape
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely yes sir that's i mean it's a, a great way to
0: put it sure <laughs> i mean you yeah. you'd look at the other competitors and then you would maybe like just use patterns i guess because that's a little bit easier than, than sparring because sparring it's all about you know making contact right absolutely but patterns for sure you could um See what they're doing, and and then compare yourself with them. So yes, not only, really, not only were you a competing against other people, against against um, someone on a video, but you also had to be an umpire because you had to judge that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and I actually, you know, that's a great point, and I feel like that really helped further develop my technique and my eye, and just my overall, I guess, skill set.
0: When you were looking at yourself, right, doing those videos and comparing to other people, other competitors, what do you think was the secret to winning? What is it? Hmm.
1: You know, uh, if we're going to use patterns, for example, um, I would definitely say technique. Uh, Technique is uh, patterns are so extremely technical and intricate uh, that I think that really was a big part um, but it is you know it, it's hard because every you know a lot of countries and throughout the world you know we all practice you know the same but we have our unique differences in there as well and so just little things like looking at intermediate hand positions or looking at particular movements whether it was uh, regular fast continuous connecting motions um, how certain, you know, countries would do those, um, hip movement was, was really, really, really big, um, around that time. And, it, and there was a huge focus in Taekwondo about utilizing more power into the patterns and putting hip motion and, you know, more body mechanics into, uh, the techniques rather than, you know, just, I guess, um, you know, fine motor movements, you know, utilizing, you know, bigger range of motions, bigger muscles, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And so I think that really definitely played a uh, um, a big role. I do know that in the beginning, my patterns were, I focused a lot on the technical aspect of it, and I had to be conscious to put in um, a lot more power. And so I think little things like uh, those, you know, ultimately help shape uh, the way that I um studied and practiced,
0: so you kind of mention technique and power, I get it, but i'm kind of wonder if there's a lot of people that don't quite understand what that means. I mean, when you say "Give me more power," how do we define more power? How would you define more power? How are you going to explain to someone more power
1: more power you know that's actually that 's kind of a hard question um
0: I mean, if I was a white belt, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If sure, I was a white belt, is it more effort? But then mm. what is that? How do I get that?
1: Just uh, utilizing more energy, more of the body's energy, more of the universal energy, harnessing that in the human form and then expending that in a form of uh kinetic energy and power and so it doesn't just start so like if i were to throw a punch you know a lot of people think like yeah just throw your arm out you have your shoulder in there a little bit of back and of course you know the arm but that's not so much the case if you're going to you know implement a uh, sine wave and use you know to generate force and power you know you it starts you know with the ground and and the legs and you know bend the knees and you you're preparing and concentrating this energy and you're in a nice fluid relaxed motion and as you're moving towards this technique you're continuing the sine wave and that helps generate more and more power until the final moment of you know when you execute that technique
0: yeah I Like I said, I get what you're saying. I think <laughs> it's, hard for a white belt. <laughs> well, no, I'm not not hard. Well, maybe it's hard to explain in like a podcast because you can't see it, right? If sure. you had a video, you can kind of uh, uh, show that and explain that. And it's not easy. You know, you can get a even a red belt or a new black belt, and they might not quite have what it takes to win at a world championship, right? trying to get them to where they can compete at a high level. It's that feedback, right? hmm sure. But, totally. but your feedback as a competitor was yourself. You had to critique yourself watching your own video. Absolutely. <clears throat> and comparing that with um, some of the world champions videos that you watched at, right? Yes, sir. Your mom um, did taekwondo as well. What rank did she get to?
1: Um, my mom, she um, she got up to a second-degree black belt
0: we we need to encourage you to continue.
1: Yeah, so we we've um since I uh went uh, uh down to to see you not too long ago, that really kind of set some energy and some motion and forward to get back on doing martial arts, doing things that kind of resonate with us and and such and so she's uh really really busy uh transitioning uh her work but uh that is definitely something that we are slowly implementing back into our you know our routine
0: that's cool so um what have you been doing lately i know you um you went to school arizona state right
1: Mm -hmm. yes sir
0: and um went to school currently working what's down the road for mason McCauley? you want to be going to russia
1: yeah. You know, I, uh, that is definitely something that I am heavily considering. I think it would be a lot of fun to get back into some form of competition, whether or not I am competing, you know, that's, uh, I've had a lot of competitions. I'm still very open to competing, but I definitely feel that I could give back, you know, a lot of my experience to, uh this younger generation and you know maybe help uh them uh in the competition as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You um how old are you now? I keep thinking of you as nine year old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm thirty one. I turn thirty two next month.
0: Thirty two. That's not uh that old.
1: <laughs> no, sir. It's not but I, I have probably more gray hair than an average thirty-two year old.
0: Stressful, that's all. Just got stressed <laughs> out. I think um my last competition I was thirty-six. Okay. And that was in Utah. Competed against Salt Lake. Salt Lake City. I forget what championship that was. I remember competing against uh well, Master Huntington, Master Burkhart, Master Doug Arnold.
1: Yeah, that's his name, Doug Arnold, the really big guy. Yeah, these guys, um,
0: <laughs> I remember that tournament. You
1: know what's funny is not too long ago, I think uh, maybe maybe you had posted something from that tournament. This was a few months back, and uh, gosh, I feel like I saw a video of yeah, uh, that tournament.
0: Yeah, I posted a video of um, me and Master Arnold, and yes. we were doing um, Juche or Kodong.
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, right.
0: He did it the opposite direction.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's right. <laughs> I do Any remember way. that. That was funny. That was a good time. It was.
0: Yeah, that Sometimes. was um, the last time I competed because just shortly after that, I tore my ACL doing Juche. Co- Oof. Oof. Doing jumping up and landing. I was the, doing a demonstration. And, uh, was it the
1: jump back turning kicks?
0: No, no. It was the flying. Or reverse turning. No, no. It was the flying um, cross Split kick. kick. Split yeah. kick? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, I, I fell down, and all the spectators, because it was a, I was doing a demonstration at the high school, thought it was part of the, of the demonstration. But yeah. <laughs> it was not oh, the demonstration. Man. They had to pull me off. I was like, oh no, that, that was not good. Not really doing those kind of jumps anymore.
1: Yeah, they're 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 a little hard on the body.
0: So, what you um, what do you think of um, moving down to California again, or I shouldn't <laughs> say move down to California again what do you think about moving to California?
1: So definitely something I am uh, considering and weighing options. Something I've been doing oh for the past year or so, every couple months, I'll go and pick a state, pick a particular geographical location and go take a little trip down there and just kind of travel around, see some people, do my own thing, kind of get a feel and a For the vibe of the area and whether or not it's a potential place that I'd like to plant some roots down. Yeah. Yep. I just have a little bit more traveling to do and I feel (laughs) like I'm getting a little closer uh, to my decision. Um, I definitely vibing a little bit more on the lines of um, chasing the warm weather and the sun and uh, staying away uh, from the winter and the snow and the, the constant gray. You talking so go, about Washington? Yeah, yeah. So, while <laughs> our our winters are, you know, when I was a kid, we used to get a lot of snow and we'd have a significant amount of uh, blue skies, yeah, bluebird days. But now the fog just comes in and it just rolls into the valley and just stays and it just won't leave. And sometimes we'll just have weeks of just constant gray. And I tell you what, it's a uh, it it gets you after a while. Where have you visited? Oh, gosh. So I used to live down in Southern California, so I know that area very well. Um, Just visited around the Pleasanton, San Francisco area. Got a feel for, you know, a little bit more central slash northern. And uh, let's see here. Went to Colorado for a couple weeks uh, last summer and traveled around uh, some of the cities and did some hiking and just kind of hung out. Yep. And then I just got back from Idaho. I went all the way down to Boise, kind of get a vibe for that area. Um, checked out the Washington coast, went to the Oregon coast last year. Um, I think I'm going to head down to, uh, or just go over to Montana, Montana or Arizona this fall. I want to go check out the Western side of Montana and go uh, check out a little bit more of Northern Arizona. And um, I think maybe go Central and Southern Oregon as well, and just kind of see what's around there. Do
0: you go uh, visit many uh, martial arts schools while you're out there?
1: No, only only the only the ones that matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I went and saw you down in California. Uh, saw Mr. Jason Taylor when I went to Colorado. Um, I didn't go to USCF headquarters, of course, but, uh, got together with him and did some hiking, got some food, such like that. I think when I go over towards, uh, I think parts, oh, what is it? I think down in the mm, Portland, Eugene area, I, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go see, uh, do you remember John Ragsdale? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go, uh, I told, uh, him and I connected on Facebook after, uh, he saw um I was down in California training with you, and so I told him that sometime when I'm in his neck of the woods, I'll hit him up and uh we'll we'll do some kick and punching
0: he's um in Oregon, right
1: yes, sir yep he's in oregon so so yeah, there's definitely been a couple of people that I've contacted and uh will go train with, and a little bit more, I think now that I'm more invested into getting back into Taekwondo, I think I will extend you know uh that offer out to you know more more people that i've known and so so yeah i'd like to go up and see mr johnny ahmed in canada um i'd like to uh mr bryce hogel over in colorado i competed with him in 2002 in puerto rico and and so there's a few people that i'd like to i'd like to still see so definitely
0: isn't that neat um about taekwondo is that you have these friendships and they kind of last a lifetime.
1: They really do. And they're unique friendships um you know that that aren't, you know the type of relationship um that I still currently have with many uh taekwondo practitioners that I've met over the course of the years. We still talk regularly on Facebooks and messages and and uh keep in contact and have more of an intimate relationship than uh, many people that I have you know grown up with and uh, and it, it's it's really cool and it's it's timeless you can go and you know you talk with them you work out with them and it's like you know these years have not passed and you just pick up right where you left off it's really amazing
0: yeah exactly what about um, I think the were you doing some full contact or any kind of competition like that Oh, I know you were kind of into bodybuilding a little bit.
1: Yes sir. So, um so I was primarily just doing, you know, ITF Taekwondo style sparring which I, I you know, what semi-full contact. It's it's definitely changed a little, you know, over the years, but h- how would you classify?
0: ITF sparring? Yeah. Well, the ITF says um sparring is light contact. But what is definition of light versus um Pull contact, right?
1: Exactly. Sure, because you know, in the you know, in at, at world championships, you know, you definitely see you know some knockouts, and you know, you see broken nose and such like that. Um, and but they don't get,
0: and they they don't get disqualified.
1: No, and they don't get disqualified. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you go, what? That's light contact. That's light. Exactly. So so it's I, I've always had kind of a hard time classifying ITF uh, sparring. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of put in a category, and also, you know, over you know every ten years, you know, I've seen you know the sparring has definitely changed in a little bit of rules, style of gear, um, but definitely um, contact levels. So, so, yeah, it's always been kind of hard to classify but um, I did not do any of the full contact style competition like the MMA. I did do some MMA training and what I had most experience uh, was I had a few individuals uh, that were involved in um, a lot of MMA competitions and they would uh, train with me on kicking and continuous sparring and such, you know, like that. And, just a quick example. There is this. Uh, there is a guy here in uh, Walla Walla, and he was uh, really good on the eastern side of Washington. He was making a name for himself, and so um, he contacted me and wanted to work on his kicks and his flexibility. And so uh, we got together and started working on on his kicks, flexibility. His accuracy, everything of the sorts, and uh, his next uh, competition, he knocked out his opponent with the head kick. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So and so, I um, so I actually didn't have any uh, set experience in the actual you know ring. full contact ring, right. but I was uh, beginning to train individuals and. Another example is I created. Uh, it was I was very interested in Muay Thai kickboxing and implementing uh, various you know techniques and Muay Thai kind of style of sparring into ITF and just adding another element that was uh, different than what my competition was doing. And I had a student who I took to uh, the 2006 Junior World Championships in Australia, and he was also very interested. In Muay Thai, and so we added. I added this class um, in my school, and it was very loose. It was, it was what I had learned um, through some of my travels and training when I was living down in California, training at a Muay Thai school and an MMA school. What I had learned with ITF Taekwondo, and I was kind of creating my own, my own kind of kickboxing workout slash sparring sort of thing and so that actually uh it was a lot of fun and added you know some some good elements to uh our sparring but my my student he has taken it even further and um uh, he now currently lives in thailand i think he's been there for about oh maybe six seven years now and uh he is um i don't know the level of his circuit, but uh, I, I believe he's a, he's a professional fighter. Oh so, wow!
0: Yeah, what was his name again? I think I remembered him.
1: William Whipple. Willie That's Whipple. That's
0: right. Willie.
1: Willie. Yes. Do we so call him he has, <laughs> Yeah, we do. We call him Willie. But yeah, so Willie, he has oh gosh, he's probably approaching oh, 60, No, maybe like fifty, sixty fights. Oh wow! Yeah, no, he's definitely has quite a bit, and um. He still actively competes. He just had a competition the other day. Uh, he just celebrated uh, the birth of his first child, his baby boy. Wow. So congratulations to him. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's uh, kind of my a little experience in that realm of contact is uh, primarily just uh, from a coaching standpoint.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. You know, uh, your your statement about how do you define ITF uh, sparring mm-hmm. and Grandmaster Galarraga. Uh, yes, sir. Is from Argentina. From Argentina. Was, um, we were talking to him uh, a couple of years ago and tried to understand what is the level of contact. And so the way he defines it is that full contact is when you have a boundary, like a ring. In other words, you can't escape,
1: right? Ah, okay.
0: And light contact is you can run out of bounds and we will stop the fight. So the level of contact Is the same. It's just the definition of full contact versus light contact. And that's that's how they defined it. That's really interesting. So, yeah, if you're up against a ring or you're in a cage, you have no escape. And so you can just pound on each other. And that's where maybe you could have more injuries. Not to say you can't have injuries in regular sparring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about going to Worlds, uh, think of it as like full contact. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really enjoyed talking to you and uh, you sharing your ideas maybe we can do something again down the road
1: absolutely sir i'd love that i had a really great time and i really appreciate you uh, having me on
0: great we'll chat with you next time thank you all
1: right sounds good thank you